Amen. If you will stand to your feet and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And the awesome, powerful word of God reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man, so that you will not go weary and lose heart. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning on the message of running the race of faith running the race of faith. And I want to talk to you about running the race of faith because the life of a Christian is like a race. It truly is like a race, but it, it's not a race that those who run get rewarded based on where they finish in the race, but it's a race that those who are in the race are rewarded by how faithful they are in the race. It's one that's determined by how faithful we are to God. It is a race that determines how much do we trust in this God that we serve? How much do we trust in this God that we praise every single morning, Sunday morning? Every morning for that matter. How, how much do we trust in this God? How much of our life do we give to God and trust that he knows what's best for our life? Faith in God is more than just believing that he exists. It's more than just believing that he exists. It's trusting God to be faithful to his word. In other words, to trust God completely, regardless of what happens or regardless of the way things appear, we will continue to trust him. So regardless of what circumstances or situations are in my life, am I going to trust God with everything completely? Even when things just don't seem to be adding up. It's to trust him to part your Red Sea when you don't know how that Red Sea is going to be parted. I like what Corey Ten Boom said. Corey Ten Boom was a Dutch Christian Holocaust survivor. And she said that our faith is like faith. She defined faith as faith as, being, as seeing the invisible, believing the unbelievable, and receiving the impossible. She said, faith is seeing the invisible, believing the unbelievable, and receiving the impossible. And I truly see that that is a, as a great definition of what faith looks like. Uh, and we see in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, it says that nothing is impossible for God. And so that's the, the faith for a Christian, receiving the impossible. Everyone will agree that we talk about faith, but everyone will agree that it's not easy 
to be faithful. It's hard. It's, it's hard work to be faithful because our faith is challenged each and every day. Everything that we do, our faith is being challenged. How much do we trust God? And sometimes, and there may be someone here today, sometimes we feel like sometimes giving up. You're not sure if relief is going to come from the storm that you're in. You start to question the statement that God never puts more on you than you can bear. Because some of you may be like, well, I've got so much on me right now and I just can't take any more. But there just seems to never be an ending to what I'm going through. And so we question that. You wonder if you'll ever grow to be strong in your faith as you would like to be or as you think you need to be or should be. And so we start to question our faith. But as we look at this, I think after we peel away all the superficial stuff, after we peel away all the things that are on the layer, on the top, like our desires and our our pains and our hurts and our joys and our hopes, even what drives us to to study God's word, the love of God's word and, and what causes us to serve God and praise God, after we peel away all that stuff, at the core of it lies our faith. At the core of it lies our faith, because our faith will dictate how we respond to unfulfilled hopes. Our faith will will determine how we respond to disappointments and letdowns. Our faith determines how much we love God and cherish God's word. Our faith determines how much we trust in this God. So everything that we do, whether it's... whether it's going to study God's word or whether it's praying to God or whether it's just everyday activities that we go through, when we peel away all that superficial stuff, the stuff on the surface, at the core of it is our faith because our faith is the very foundation of everything. And it communicates to God how much do we truly trust in him. So what are we to do? As we look at this passage, this passage gives us some answers as to how we are to run this race of faith. How can we run a race that is faithful to this God that we serve? How can we be faithful to God? How can we persevere? How can we remain faithful to God while we're in this race? How do we remain faithful to the Lord in this race that we run? And Hebrews helps us to look at our faith like one who is competing in a race. And it shows us how to run it faithfully. And so as we look at this passage, we can kind of see this. But before we look at this passage, before we look at these truths that will help us to know how we can run this race and run it faithfully to God, we want to step back to chapter 11 and look and see what leads up to this particular passage because it's very important. Why is it do we need to be concerned with running this race of faith? Why is it do we need to be concerned with being more faithful to God? And if we look back in chapter 11, we see the first thing that stands out, one of the main things in verse 6. He says, because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible to please him. Now, we think about that. It says it's impossible to please God. That's That's the equivalent of saying without water, it is impossible for life to exist. Without wings, it is impossible for an airplane to get up off the ground impossible to please God. The Lord is telling us what pleases him the most. 
And the more I learn about God, the more God reveals himself to me, the more and more I see how important our faith is. How much God is truly working to shape and develop our faith. And as we look at this verse and it tells us how important faith is to God, we don't just stop there because God tells us why it's impossible to, to, to please him. He goes on in that same verse and it says, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That's the first thing. It says, so that if I come to God, if I pray to God, if I bring my prayers to God, my supplications before God, my desires before God, the first thing I must do is I must believe that he exists. I can't go to God and not believe that he doesn't, not believe that he, 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 he doesn't exist or act like he doesn't exist. So I must believe that he exists. And God goes on to tell us, he said, the second thing he says, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's the trust part. That he earnestly rewards those who seek him. So in every trial, in every circumstance that I go through, God is letting us know that you have to earnestly believe that I will re reward those who diligently seek me. That regardless of the way things appear on the surface, regardless of what is going on in your life, trust that I am the one who rewards those who diligently seek me. And so the Lord is telling us it's impossible to please me without faith. And these are the reasons why it's impossible to please me without faith. So all that we do, my service to the church, whether I'm in the choir or whether I'm a Sunday school teacher, or regardless of what I do, if I don't have faith in God, then he says, you cannot please me. You have to trust me. Trust me that I know what's best is what God is saying. Trust me that I know how to direct your life. Trust me when the storms come in your life. Trust me when you're undergoing affliction. Trust me when your health is failing you. Trust me when people are ridiculing you. Trust me when your family doesn't act right. Trust me when your spouse isn't acting right. Trust me in everything that you go through. It says, trust me. Nothing probably makes us feel better than someone who trusts us, that puts their trust in us. After all, this God that we serve is the one who sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. And he says, if I've done that, how much more can you trust me with? If I clothe the lilies, if I feed the birds, how much more will I love on you? How much more would I not provide for you? So God is letting us know as we look at this how important this faith is. This faith that God is talking about, it's a very big deal. It's a big deal. All that we face in this life is meant to develop our faith in some form or fashion. The trials that we go through meant to develop our faith. The tests that we go through meant to develop our faith. We looked at a couple of weeks ago the temptations that Jesus Christ underwent. The temptations that we, un that we go through meant to develop our faith. To see how faithful we will remain to God. Whether we will look to please ourselves or whether we will look to please God that we serve. And so we look at this in chapter 11. It goes on 
And not, does, not only does, the, does, does Hebrews let us know how important faith is, but it says, I'm going to show you what faith looks like. I'm going to give you demonstrations of what faith looks like in action. And so the, 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 the chapter here gives us tons of examples of those who are heroes of the faith, is what they call it. Those who were faithful to God. Those that were commended by God. And so just to look at some of them, verse 7, it talks about, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Not yet seen. Again, we're talking about that faith is walking by, is walking by faith and not by sight. So even though Noah couldn't see it yet, even though it hadn't rained before, Noah knew, he said, I got to trust in the Lord. So verse 7, that's what faith is. He says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, he built an ark. Even though people talked about him, even though people looked at him like he was crazy and said, what are you doing? He said, by faith, I'm doing this because God has told me to. By faith, number ver verse 8, it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed and, even, and went even though he did not know where he was going. So even though Abraham was called by God to go to this new land, he went by faith, even though he didn't even know where he was going. He trusted in the Lord in every step. And that's what God is calling us to do, is to just take a step forward. Not to know the complete game plan before you go into it, but to just take a step forward. Just to take the step. That's what he's, that's what he's calling us to do. Just move forward and trust that I will part the waters. So many times we want to see the big picture, right? We want to know how it's going to work out, how things are going to end. We want to know the purpose for which we're going through all this. We want to know, is there a means to the end and all these other things? And God is just saying, take a step forward. Just trust in me. You don't have to see it in order to believe it. In verse 30, if we jump down, it says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. So God just told the people, he said, just walk around it for seven days. He said, just walk around it, march around it. He said, the walls of Jericho will come down if you do that. Now, how does that sound? I mean, how does that sound, truly? Okay, Lord, you're calling me to walk around the, the, the walls, and they're just going to fall down. We don't have to do anything. So I'm saying, just trust me. Just do as I say, and I will take care of the rest. By thir verse 31, by faith, a prostitute named Rahab was saved. She was saved because of her obedience, because of her faithfulness. And now her name is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. When you look, you see Rahab. Verse 33 and 34 says, by faith, kingdoms were conquered and the mouths of lions were shut. Kingdoms were conquered. The mouths of lions were shut. The mouths of lions were shut. We think about Daniel, right, in the lion's den. God shut the mouth of that lion, right? By faith. It was by faith that led Daniel to pray before God, regardless of what may come or what they were going to do to him. He said, I'm going to pray before God, and I don't care what's going to take place or what's going to happen to my life, because I know that the Lord controls everything. And it's better to be obedient to God and die than to live and not be obedient. In that same verse, by, by, in that same verse, by faith, they escaped flames and the sword. Talk about the flames. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were thrown into the fiery furnace and they escaped those flames, right? 
Women receive back their dead. So all these things, oh man, these are some good things right here. All these things by faith, they were conquerors. By faith, God made a way. All of these experience the reward of being faithful to God. How great is the God that we serve? But someone's saying, I'm not experiencing that same victory in my life that I see in these individuals. I'm not seeing that. So why isn't it taking place in my life? And, and so, and that's one thing I like about scripture. It doesn't just focus on all the things that we like to see, but even the writer goes on in verse 35 and, and as to say, wait a minute, that's, that's not, it doesn't always work out that way. Everything is not all peaches and cream. Verse 35, it says, and you can put it there, verse 35, by faith, it says, others were tortured and refused to, to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Verse 36, by faith, some were flogged while others were chained and put in prison. Some were stoned and sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. Many of them were homeless. They were destitute, didn't have a place to stay. They were staying in caves, deserts, mountains. These were faithful people. I mean, we're not just talking about somebody who's not faithful. These were people who knew God. Who praised God. Who were faithful to God. So we looked at what happened to Abraham and Noah and all these things. And it doesn't, you know, if by faith they did what they did and God made a way. But at the same time, even though those who were stoned, destitute, killed, sawed in two, they still, by, by faith, they received the victory because they trusted in God, because they were faithful to God. These people were faithful to the death. Paul said it's better to live and die than to gain. He said, because I, I know that's, that's, that's my, I, I've already gained Christ, and what else can you do to me? What harm can you do to me? The only way one can remain faithful to God in the midst of affliction like these that we looked at is to be sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's to be sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. If we are looking at things for what they are, don't believe in that statement, seeing is believing, that will get you in trouble in this Christian walk. Seeing is not believing in the Christian walk. It'll get you in trouble. God is saying to trust in me. God calls us to trust in him and not what we can see. God has a name for these believers, and, and that's what leads us to, to chapter 12. He calls them a great cloud of witnesses. How would you like to have your name among those as a great cloud of witnesses? one who were commended by, by their faith to God. So that when, you, when God calls you home, he commends you for your faith and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful. Now, we all fall short of God's glory. But are, for the most part, are we faithful to God in our lives? And God is saying, you trusted in me. In the small things and the big things, you trusted in me. 
when you didn't know how things were going to work out, when you didn't know how you were going to get money for your schooling, you trusted in me. When you didn't know where your money was going to come from so that you could have food on your table, you trusted in me. Do you trust in me? And so we see these great cloud of witnesses, and they were great witnesses for God, but they're also great witnesses to us as we run this same race. They serve as witnesses for us who are now in this race. They finished the race, and now they are witnesses for us as well. Verse 12, verse 1 in in chapter 12 kind of leads off from that. It says, therefore, since we have, or since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So it says, therefore, what's that therefore is telling us? Since you have these great cloud of witnesses, this should be your result. This is how you should respond. And I like that word surrounded. It kind of gives the imagery of someone who is shackled in chains. It's like their testimony is surrounding you. It's around you. Just look, and that's why it's so important for us to remain in our word and to look at God's word and to be faithful in his word, even when we don't feel like it or even when we're going through our trials and tribulations and we don't understand. It's so important for us to get in his word and see how did God move in the life of Joseph? How did God move in the life of Moses? How did God move in the life of Abraham? How did God move in the life of these great people that were faithful to him? And know that if God did it for them, he will do it for you as well. And so we see this and we see these great cloud of witnesses and they serve as a witness to us as to what it means to be faithful to God but also to show that God is one who is faithful as well, and he will reward those who seek him. And that leads us to, again, that first verse where it shows us some things that we can gather from this as to how we ought to run this race faithfully. How can we run it faithfully to God? How can we run this race and not run our own race? And the first thing that we see in that, in that verse, it says, by such a great cloud of witnesses, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So the first thing we must do in order to run this race, just as those witnesses who went before us did, we must th- lose the weight, first of all. We have to lose the excess baggage that we got. And I like the way the King James Version says, it, it, it uses the word weight. It actually says, throw off every weight that hinders you, and the sin. I like the way it separates the two. Don't confuse weight and sin. Every weight is not a sin, but every sin is certainly a weight. Everything that is a weight is not necessarily bad in and of itself, but there are certainly some weights that can hinder us from being as productive in our faith walk with God. There are some things that we are carrying around that we are holding on to, that are not profitable for our faith and are not helping us to get closer to Christ, that we just keep holding on to. And all too often, we look at our faith walk or our Christian walk as to what we can't do. Okay, what is it I can and can't do? And once I know that, we get as close to the line as we can, okay? Here is the line, and I'm good. 
And God is saying, get as far away from the line as you can. It may not be sinful in and of itself, but Lord, if it's anything that keeps me from being faithful or running this race faithfully to you, remove it out of my life. Remove it out of my life. Having a certain vehicle may not necessarily be bad in and of itself. There's nothing wrong with that. But for that individual, that person, they may, God may speak to them and say, that's a weight for you. You have to let it go. You have to do something different. So God is letting us know that we must lose the weight. We must lose the excess baggage that we have. The weight we carry around, it, it, it hinders us. So we pick up these weights. And we, we, we walk around with these weights at times. And then we wonder why we're so tired. Because there's a struggle going on. There's a struggle. The Lord's trying to lead us one way. We're trying to do our own thing. The Lord's trying to lead us one way. We're trying to do our own thing. Because these weights. The Lord's saying we must lose them in order to run this race faithfully. When you look at a runner, the one thing that you notice about a runner is that they are, they are running as light as they can possibly run. You don't see anything on them. And the clothes that they do have on are so light, you... you it's not like he, it's not like having nothing on. So when you see a runner, and I like the analogy of running this race of faith, because when you look at a runner, the first thing he does before he even enters the race, he's like, I got to lose anything that's going to slow me down. Any drag, anything, I got to lose it. I got to be as light as I can. Regardless of what type of race they're in, they know, a runner knows that they have to lose any excess baggage. No one in their right mind comes to a race with ankle weights on and everything else, backpacks on their back, expecting to win the race or expecting to even finish the race. I remember a while back when I was younger and we were just kind of running and just having some fun at the track and we put some ankle weights on and it was like, okay, after we take these ankle weights off, we'll be able to run fast. And, and so when we had these ankle weights on, we could just barely move. We were kind of like, man... And then we took the ankle weights off, and it felt like I was Carl Lewis. Almost tripped over myself I was going so fast. And so many of us have these, we have ankle weights on, we have backpacks on, we have all these things on in this race of faith that hinder us from being what God has called us to be. And we need to stop looking at things from the vantage point of, okay, God's word didn't say do this or not do this or it's, okay, Lord, help me to understand what is it in my life that is hindering me from being as, as faithful to you or as being as productive in my walk as I possibly can. But it also goes back, and he, he tells us, he says that not only are there some weights in your life, there are some sins as well. Some sins that we need to, to, uh, to, 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 to throw off. And it doesn't just say, the weights, the sins are our weights, but it says they so easily entangle us. That's what sin does. It, it easily entangles us. It's not, a, it's not necessarily just putting a weight on. It's like a rope that just ties us up, prevents us from being effective. So we're running. Our hands are tied, and we're running. You see a runner, he's got to have his arms free in order to, to continue to, to run productively. And some sins in our lives, it's like they're just they're tying our arms up to where we can't move. We're using our feet but where our arms are tied. And so the sin is just easily entangling us. And God is saying, 
confess your sins to me, repent of your sins, and turn back to me. If you want to run this race faithfully, I don't know what your weight is. I don't know what your sin is. Your weight may be some type of burden that you're carrying around, something that you have not given over to Jesus Christ. You know what God says about his yoke being easy and his burden is light, but we still hold on to our burdens. We won't let them go. And so this burden is just hindering us from being as faithful to God and serving God as he's called us to, to, to serve him. Because of this burdens that we have on, it may be some trial or tribulation. It may be low self-esteem, our low sense of self-worth. Some of us just don't feel good about ourselves. Don't feel good about ourselves. Even though God says in Psalm 139, verse 14, he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But yet we continue to hear Satan casting those things in our ear to make us question maybe our self-worth. And so that may be a weight that's hindering us from being all that God has called us to be. So we have these weights and we have these sins. I don't know what sin it is in your life. It may be adultery. It may be fornication. It may be envy, it may be jealousy, it may be lying, it may be a loose tongue. I don't know what it is. But God is faithful to forgive us of all of our sins and purify us of all of our unrighteousness if we just confess them to him. God is faithful to forgive us. Let's not make this race any more difficult than it already is by carrying around weight and things that we need to shed. It's difficult enough without the added weight. So we must lose the unnecessary weight. The second thing that we see as we look at this verse, it says we, first of all, we must throw off everything that hinders and the sin so easily entangles. And then the second thing it says, and let us run with perseverance. So the second thing we must do is run with perseverance. After we lose the unnecessary weight, we must run with perseverance, the endurance that God gives us. If God put us in the race, he's sure enough going to give us the strength to endure through the race. And again, that's faith where we must trust in him to give us the strength to run this race that he's called us to run. Whatever race he's put you in, whatever trials or afflictions you may be experiencing whatever things you're having to go through, know that God has put you in that and that he will give you the strength to endure. But the one thing that we must understand when we come to Christ, that this is not a short distance race. It's not a hundred yard dash. It is a marathon. If a 100 yard dash runner comes to a race that is a marathon, he will not finish. Because in a short distance race, you run and then you're kind of tired afterwards. You, it's short, it's over before you know it. A marathon lasts for a while. There's different conditions. There's different, depending on the marathon, there's different, the roads are different and there are times when you feel good when you're running a marathon. There are times when you feel bad. You are tired at more times when you're in a marathon. You have to remain focused in a marathon. Now, I'm not talking about this like I've been in a marathon, because I haven't. 
But I can look at a marathon runner and know you can't come with the mindset that this race is going to be over with in a short period of time. So we have to have the mindset that, first of all, this race is going to last for a while. God has called me to be in this race, and I have to be prepared to receive whatever may come, whatever conditions may come. I have to trust in God that he's going to see me through, that he's going to give me the endurance to finish this race. In this marathon, we'll go through some difficult times, and it's going to require us to have some great faith to finish it. We will encounter trials, but they are meant to develop and test our faith, as we've spoken about so many times. James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whatever you face, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking anything. I look at our faith is to, our faith to us is like the lungs to a runner, a marathon runner. Our test has to be developed, our faith has to be developed in order for us to grow and in order for us to to be able to run this race effectively. When you look at a marathon runner, they have conditioned themselves, their lungs are conditioned for a long distance race because they have been tested. They go out, they run, and they condition themselves for that type of race. And so God is also conditioning us for a long-distance race. He's conditioning us for a marathon as we go through trials and tribulations. It is our, our, the faith of our lungs, per se, is, is being conditioned so that we can run even further, so that we can run better. And so that's, that's what we see. We must understand that these things that we go through is, is just meant to condition our faith that we may be able to run this marathon race that God has called us. I like the, the, the example of Moses, who is a picture of perseverance and endurance. You're talking about someone who was called by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into Canaan, a trip that was supposed to last 40 days, lasted 40 years. And so Moses had to deal with bickering. He had to deal with people who were not, they didn't want to. They were ready to go back. They were never satisfied. They were never content. Okay, Lord, you gave us manna. We don't want manna. We want something else. Now that you gave us manna, let's see if you give us water. Okay, Aaron is gone for a few minutes. Let's make an idol for ourselves. And then have Aaron lying about it. I just threw the gold and, and, the, and it just popped out. That's what happened, formed and everything. And so Moses had to deal with all this. But the one thing that even strikes me even more interesting than anything else about Moses is that even when he was not going to, he was told he was not going to go into the promised land, you look at Moses' response. Moses continued to remain faithful to God even after he was told he wasn't going into the promised land. He continued to serve God. He continued to serve the people. He continued to prepare the people. And so that is a picture of endurance and perseverance. 
that regardless of what happens, conditions may change. I thought it was going to take 40 days. It might take 40 years, but Lord, I'm in this for the long haul because I trust in you. Okay, I'm not, things didn't work out quite the way that I thought they to. I didn't get the job that I thought I was going to get, but Lord, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in you, Lord. I thought this, this trial in my life was going to be over in like 30 days, but now I'm going on 30 years, Lord. When is it going to end? I'm going to trust in you, Lord. And the Lord is saying, trust me, that I am one who rewards those who diligently seek me. The question is, are you seeking the Lord? Or are you seeking relief? There's a difference. Are we seeking the Lord's glory through whatever we're going through, or are we seeking relief? Because regardless of what trials and tribulations are going on in our lives, the Lord is, is, is not just doing it just by happenstance. I mean, he's, he's, he's positioned us in this so that he may get the glory in some kind of way. Just as those who were sawed in two, those who were destitute, didn't have a home, or whatever it may be, the Lord was glorified through their faithfulness. And so our prayer should not be, Lord, remove this burden from me. But Lord, how can you be glorified? If you can remove this burden from me and, I, and you still be glorified, let it be. But however it is, let you be glorified. If we look at John chapter 17, when, when Jesus Christ is praying to God the Father, you will see the word glory mentioned five times in the first five verses. He says, now I have glorified you with the glory that you have given me. Because I fulfilled what it is you've called me to fulfill. I was obedient. I was faithful. So Jesus Christ was all about being faithful to God so that God may be glorified through his faithfulness. And that is what we see here with perseverance and endurance. We must have the endurance to finish this race. Again, as we go back, we also see something else. The third thing it says, still in that first verse, at the end of it, it says, the race marked out for you. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. I like this because the third thing it tells us, or tells me, is that we must run our own race, first of all. Run the race that God has called you to run. You cannot be looking at someone else's race and comparing the race that they're going through and then looking to see why isn't the same thing happening in your life. They're receiving so many blessings, they don't even come to Sunday school. That's going to get you in trouble. Do not compare your race to someone else's race. God has made a course specifically for you and me. I can't look at anyone else and compare what they're going through and try to understand why isn't the same thing happening in my life. Because it will, it will cause us to be unproductive in our race for faith because we're always trying to see why isn't this happening in my life. And God is just saying, just run the race. Just be faithful. Just run it. When you look at a runner, the one thing that you don't see, a runner is not looking around and everybody else, where's so-and-so at? Where's he at? He's not, he's not looking around him. A runner is dead ahead. 
if you catch me, you catch me, but I'm going dead ahead. In this race, we are joined with other Christian brothers and sisters. And so I do have a concern for you in this race. I do have a concern that you finish the race. But I can't compare myself or my race to your race. I must run the race that God has called me to run. We look at these faithful saints, these heroes of the faith, when we look at Abraham, when we look at Noah, when we look at Moses, when we look at Rahab, when we look at all these people, when we look at Paul, when we look at Peter. Paul couldn't look at Peter and say, Lord, Peter didn't get flogged. Peter didn't go through, uh, he didn't get bit by snakes and get shipwrecked like I did. Peter didn't endure some of the things that I'm going through. Why is it that I'm going through this? He knew the Lord had a race specifically for him. And I think when we start to understand that the Lord has positioned, he has created you and me, and he has created a course that each one of us is to run, and it is unique from the other person, then we will be more faithful to God, we will be more effective in our race. And so that requires me to not be so concerned about how the Lord, I'm going to rejoice with you when you're being blessed by God, if maybe even more so than myself, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for you when you're, when you're burdened by trials, but I can't be looking at you and say, okay, why are they blessed better than me? Or why are they, how, why is that they're only going through trials for a short period of time? Why I, I'm casting this burden. I've been faithful to God. I've done my Bible studies each day. I've done my devotions. I've prayed. I've fasted. And it may not be the Lord's will that that burden be removed from you in some way. As just like Paul said, Paul said, I pray that this thorn be removed from me, he said three times, but the Lord didn't remove it. My grace is sufficient. Is what the Lord is trying to tell us. I can't be looking at someone else's race. As a runner, I can't be looking around. God knows how to get the glory out of my life. I just need to be faithful so that it may happen. I like what Thomas Watson said. He kind of compares us to plants. He says that some plants grow better in the shade than in the sun. The shade of adversity is better for some than the sunshine of prosperity. And I truly think that's the case. God knows who is better able to handle the prosperity that he gives them. And he knows those who are better to handle the adversity that comes their way. The Lord is telling us, I've made you for this. I've given you my spirit that you may endure, that you may persevere to the end. This is the course that I've mapped out for you. Just be faithful to run it. Too many of us are looking at the person beside us, and it's hindering us in our race. It's hindering us. It's hindering us. If God uh, wanted all of us to run the same race, he would have just made us the same. He just made us the same. Put the same situations in our lives and everything. Run your own race. So as we look at this, we, we know that 
to run this race faithfully, the word is telling us that, first of all, we must lose the weight, we must lose the excess baggage and the sin that so easily entangles us. Secondly, we must run with perseverance, knowing that this is not a short-distance race, this is a marathon. Get in the race, stay in the race. You never see a long-distance runner at, the, at, a, at a halfway mark sitting down. Stay in the race. He's conditioning your lungs of faith to persevere and to endure to the end. And then thirdly, we need to know that God has made a race specifically for each and every one of us. Fourth thing that we see as we move on, he says, okay, after this, he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So the fourth thing he says, he says you need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. Keep your eyes on the prize. So often, we get distracted and we're looking at everything but Christ. We're looking at our crisis, we're looking at our friends, we're looking at the things of this world, and Christ is saying, look at me. So that you can run this race faithfully. Keep your eyes fixed on me. There are going to be some, some, some bridges we're going to go over and we might be afraid of that height. And Jesus Christ said, just look at me. Don't look down. Look at me. And that is so important for us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. When you see a runner, a runner isn't, again, he's not looking in different directions. He's looking for the finish line. He's running toward the finish line. He is running toward the mark. Not looking to be disqualified. He's running toward the mark. Jesus Christ is our mark. He is the one we are to be running toward. We shouldn't be running toward anything else. We run past them as we are on our way to Jesus Christ. So Christ is telling us to look at me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. I'm afraid that some of us are running off course, and either we don't know it or we don't care. Running off course. God has laid out a course for us. This is the course you need to run, and we're running another course because that course may be more comfortable for us. And it will get us every time. Satan will tell us, this course is better over here. You don't, you don't want to run this course over here. Take the easy way. Take the less demanding way. Take the way where there's no hills and there's no valleys and there's just, you know, it's easier for you. Take that race. Take this course. I'll tell you, Satan will whisper in your ear and tell you to do it. He will position things in your life to, to convince you that you need to run this other race, that you need to run this other course. But God is saying, I, I've got this course over here for you. Run this course and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. 
We are not to be pursuing the same course as unbelievers. I'm going to say that again. We are not to be pursuing the same course as unbelievers. So if I'm looking at unbelievers, those who have not given their life to Jesus Christ, those who do not love God, we should not be looking at the course they're running and trying to run the same course. We're in a different race. Unbelievers aren't even in the same race. They're disqualified. Disqualified until they give their life to Christ. They're disqualified. And God is saying, don't look at anyone else's course or anyone else's race. Don't run the same race as somebody who you're closely acquainted with and trying to run that same race. He said, run this race that I've mapped out for you, and as you do it, keep your eyes fixed on Christ. And the one way that we keep our eyes fixed on Christ is to stay in his word. Turn with me to Psalm 17, which speaks to this point. Psalm 17, verse 4. Verse 4 and 5. As David says, he says, As for the deeds of men, by the word of your lips... Key, key point. It says, by the word of your lips, I have kept myself from the ways of the valley. My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I like that. Short verse, but very powerful. He says, as for the deeds of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept myself from the ways of the valley. So we must stay in God's word in order to keep our sights fixed on Jesus Christ. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added. That's what his word says. Seek first Jesus Christ and his kingdom, and everything else will be added. We cannot be distracted and begin to look at everything else that's going on around us and forget that we are to keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus Christ is the one who shapes our faith. He's the one who authored our faith. We are to be running toward the one who has done this. We are to be running towards the one who paid the price for our sins, who bore our sins on the cross. We are to be running toward this Christ that we serve. There are going to be so many things that tempt us to get off course, but we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. In the midst of our crisis, we are to continue to look at Jesus Christ. God has rewarded those who remain faithful to him. Something better awaits those that put their faith in Jesus Christ. Something better awaits. My present suffering can't compare to the glory that we will reveal. It says it can't compare. God is just calling us to trust in him. By pressing on. And I like what else it says here. It says, it sat down at the right. It talks about Christ, who, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So Jesus Christ could endure the cross because he knew 
that something great was getting ready to happen, that he was going to redeem man from their sinful ways, and he was going to be glorified by God in the end. That he was going to be sitting on the right-hand side of God, interceding for man, he would be glorified, but he had to go and do this one thing first. And the same awaits those who are faithful to God. Something better awaits you. He says, if you will share my suffering, you will also share my glory. Let us stop being, as, as A.W. Tozer says, Santa Claus Christians, looking for something now, or we're looking to just be rewarded for that moment, looking to see what God can give us instead of what we can give back to God. Instead of looking to see how we can glorify God. Consider him. When you get tarred and lose heart, consider Jesus Christ. When you feel like giving up, consider Jesus Christ. When you don't know how your situation is going to end, he says, consider Jesus Christ. When you don't know how the things are going to work out in your life, consider Jesus Christ. When you don't know how you're going to get your health back again, it says, consider Jesus Christ. When you are ridiculed, shamed, taken advantage of, he says, consider Jesus Christ. When you're suffering, he says, consider Jesus Christ. When you wonder if it's worth it, he says, consider Jesus Christ. Consider this Christ who sits at the right hand of God right now and is there to intercede for you, who cares for you. Consider this Christ. Consider where Jesus is now after he finished running the race that God has brought before him. Just says, consider him. That's important. You have to consider him. You have to keep your eyes fixed on him. He says, if you consider him, then he goes on and he says that so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. All too often we grow weary and we lose heart. Feel like giving up, throwing in the towel. They just ain't acting right, God. This just ain't working the way I expected it to work out, God. I just can't seem to make it, God. I'm tired, Lord. And the Lord says, consider my son. Have you considered my son, Jesus Christ? Have you considered him? He says, if you consider him, then he says, you, you will be less likely to grow weary. You won't lose heart. Because look at how the end works out. Just, just hang in there. Trust in me. This is a faith walk. Don't, don't, look, at what you're, don't look at your circumstance. He says, look at Christ. And just remain faithful. Do as I called you to do. We must consider this Christ. We must look at him. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. So as we run this race, let us throw off everything that hinders us from running this race. We see Jesus Christ, our ultimate example. Jesus Christ was running light. He shed anything that was going to hinder him from running and being faithful to God. And we praise God for that. No sin in his life. Jesus was sinless, perfect, finished the race perfect, in perfect time. Finished it. Secondly, 
Let us know to run with endurance. Let us not forget that this is an endurance race. This is a long distance race. The things that we go through are meant to condition our lungs of faith that we may finish this race. Third, let us continue to remember that God has set a race out for each and every one of us. Fourth, even, it's so important, as we do all these things, we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and he will see you through. That is how we remain faithful to God in this race that he's called us to run. Amen? Let us pray. Our Father, our God, so many of us, Lord, feel weary at times and just grow weak, Father God, as if we can't finish this race, Lord. We start to question what we're doing and why we're doing it. and We start to question the trials and the issues that we deal with. We start to question, of all things, Lord, how faithful you are. And so, Lord, I pray that you will help us to finish this race. Help us to not grow weary in well-doing. Help us to not grow weary. Help us to not faint, Father God, under the pressure, Father God. Knowing, Lord, that if you have marked this course out for us, Lord, you have also given us the strength to endure and to finish this race. I pray, Father God, that your people, your children, will just remain faithful to you. That when we can't see how you're going to move things in our lives, when we can't see how the mountains are going to be moved, Father God, that we just trust in you, Lord, knowing that you will make a way. Help us to trust in you. For we know, Father God, that you said without faith it is impossible to please you. Help us to please you more. Help us to please ourselves less, Lord, and to please you more. Help us, help our pleasure be about pleasing you. We thank you, Father God, for your spirit. We thank you that you give us the strength to endure. We thank you for Jesus Christ are the author and perfecter of our, of our faith. We thank you that he ran a perfect race so that we can be in the race. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.